1: The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzian. Hey, it's he, Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 a.m., the fan, Green and Growing. Nathan Marzian with the day off today, Bucks super fan. Uh, and in his place, uh, former member of the 1250 a.m., the fan staff in Milwaukee, Toby Altizer. Follow him on Twitter at Toby underscore Altizer. Of course, remember him with his days with Bart Winkler. And then he did every other show on the station as well at some point in his time uh, as well. That I did. Uh, now with the team 980 and 1067, the fan uh, in Washington, D.C. Tell me, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. I gave up successful sports franchises with the Bucks. I guess the Brewers are at least competing for something, the Packers, and I uh, came to dysfunctional Washington, D.C. So. I missed some of the good old days in Wisconsin, that's for sure.
1: Well, you know, look, I mean, before you got here, we sucked uh, uh, quite a bit for <laughs> quite a long time. I mean, trust me, what was it, 26 years the Brewers didn't make the playoffs, 11 straight years, they weren't even 500. Uh, the Bucs were a train wreck for a majority of my childhood as well uh, g- growing up. So it is what it is. It, it'll come back around like it always does. But the Bucks get the Wizards. Uh, and now we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. They play Tuesday night, so some of you may, may be listening to this. Uh, after the game is done, you'll already know what you see. Uh, but there's a bunch of dudes out uh, for both teams, for the Bucks and the Wizards heading into this game on Tuesday night. Overall, uh, what were the expectations, I guess, for this Wizards team coming into the year? And then what does the future look like for this Wizards team at all? Because while Bradley Beal is good, his numbers very comparable to Chris Middleton, which means he's more of that that second player yeah. on a championship team more than he's that first player.
0: Yeah, it's a tough spot to be in with the Wizards right now because you have a roster that has Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma out here. They refer to them as the big three, which I don't know how you can have a big three. And the only teams behind them in the Eastern Conference are teams that are either young and trying to develop, like the Orlando Magic or teams like that, or you have teams that their star went down, or they're just really bad and yet the Wizards are going to miss out on the play-in tournament. You know, there's been some injuries this season. It seems like throughout the year it hasn't been able to keep Bradley Beal, Chris Stops, and Kuzma on the floor together, but even when they were, it's not like they were an effective basketball team. So you look at the future going ahead, and you're like, okay, maybe they could tank or something. You can't tank because Bradley Beal's probably going to be in D.C. for the entirety of his contract, or at least until the last year or two. They look like they're going to re-sign Christoph Porzingis. They're going to try and keep Kyle Kuzma. That's not a team that's going to tank. That's a team that is actually trying and somehow losing all of these games. I mean, they've got some nice pieces. And Corey Kispert, he's had career highs the last two games leading into the Bucs game. And... Bucs fans are at, going,
1: who is Corey Kispert?
0: <laughs> and, and that's nice to have Corey Kispert doing that. Denny Oftia since they traded Rui Hachimura, has really stepped up into his role. Johnny Davis has gotten a little bit of action the last couple of games, as it seems like the Wizards have kind of mailed it in. And, you know, the, the Bucks game that they're going to be playing, I guess, tonight when we're recording this, they're not playing like anybody. So Johnny Davis is going to get a featured role tonight. But th- there's not a whole lot that you can look in the future of this Wizards team and get excited about because they tried this season and they finished 11th, 12th in the Eastern Conference. And they're going to continue to try, and I don't see a way that they're going to finish better than getting into the play-in tournament at best, maybe sneaking in as like the sixth seed, and then getting bounced in the first round. It's a it's
1: a weird spot for the
0: Wizards right now.
1: Well, they should have done probably, and Wizards fans wouldn't want to hear that they they should have just ripped the bandaid off and went for Webinyama. That, that's probably what they should have done. Oh, well, they Wizards have just, fans... they, they should have just unloaded whatever they could unload this off Get Wizards whatever fans. they could have gotten and then went for Webb and Yama and try to build around him going forward.
0: Wizards fans are sick of Bradley Beal. They really don't like the basketball team. It's a weird spot to be because I'm coming off of Milwaukee. So you you feel like there's a a love for the NBA. And there just isn't out here. There's a love for the Nationals still, even though they're gonna be pretty bad this season. But you know, the the growing fan base there is still largely in favor of the Nats. The Capitals had a disappointing season, but it's a hockey crazy town out here. Obviously the football team with the commanders still leads the pack. But when it comes to the wizards, it's like, all right, well, yeah, there is a basketball team here, but no one really cares. And it, it stinks that that's the way it's gone, but that's how it is with the wizards right now. It almost seems like the way that the wizards play on the court feeds into that. Like they have guys, but they don't win any games.
1: And that obviously becomes a problem. And, for so long as a Bucks fan, we all know you get stuck in that that middle area uh, where you're not bad enough to get anything worth a dang. Uh, and you're not good enough to win anything worth a dang. And you're not close enough to winning anything in the next couple of years. That's purgatory in the NBA. An NBA purgatory is the absolute worst place that you possibly can be in. Uh, and if the fan base is ready to move on from their best player, which it sounds like in Bradley Bielman. If I were the wizard, I'd blow that damn thing up uh, and get moving forward. And the problem is they're going to move on too late because the generational-type talent that you have in Weminyama in this draft would have been the guy that you go for. I and mean, that's essentially what San Antonio was trying to do. San Antonio looked at this and said, okay, we're going to try and get our next, not that he's Tim Duncan, but we're going to try and get our next Hall of Famer to build around going forward in San Antonio. Uh, and they did what they had to do this offseason. Utah was attempting to do that, and it backfired because these guys, they got played way better than they thought. Uh, and kind of screwed up their chances for women now, but uh, a team like Orlando is still going to have that chance uh, at a women to add to all their young talent. And we'll see what happens, but you look at this Eastern conference and the bucks are the best team in the NBA. I, I feel good saying that. And obviously I know you're still seeing a bunch of bucks cause they're on national TV all the time. But then after that, it's probably Boston. And then we've been saying there's a gap uh, and they just got done taking care of Philadelphia uh, in short order. Uh, this last game that they played them and they really played well against Philadelphia, even though I think the series is two, two, really, they've they've played pretty well against Philly all year. Uh, So Philly really doesn't scare me. How would you stack up the East right now? As far as, you know, the, the the top teams that can go to the finals and then that next tier underneath that.
0: Well, I was listening to a little bit of CBS sports radio the other day when Bart was on, and I think he laid it out pretty well with, when he said when it comes to the Eastern conference, there's really only one team that could beat the bucks. And I think that's the Celtics I don't see, unless something catastrophic happens, the Bucs should be a conference finals team taking on the Celtics again. And I think, I wouldn't say it's a toss-up with them, but, I mean, it might be, because the Celtics do play them tough. But then you look at the Celtics, I think the Bucs could obviously beat them. I also think that the Sixers, there are a couple of teams in the Eastern Conference that could maybe knock off the Boston Celtics. And I think if you're a Bucs fan, that's probably what you got to be rooting for. Because if you face off with the 76ers, In the Eastern Conference Finals, I think you're winning that in five, maybe six games, and you're moving on to the NBA Finals again. I think Boston could give you a run for your money, but I still think it is just a tier one of Boston and Milwaukee and then everyone else. And maybe someone could knock off Boston, but I don't see anyone knocking off Milwaukee until you get to the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: I heard Bart talking on CBS Sports Radio for for Bill Ryder, which you can hear all week on 1250 AM, the fan from 9 AM to 11 AM Central Time he's nuts he, he he was on the radio <laughs> saying oh boston could get beat by new york they can get beat by the knicks they can get beat by the Cavs. they can get beat by philly he's going through these listen here look i the knicks are a nice little fun story Thibodeau, do it trying hard those guys they aren't beating boston man cleveland again they're a think... year away from being real i think they're not there yet yeah. they're still trying to figure this whole thing out Donovan mitchell and And those guys, so I don't think they're there yet. I think it's Milwaukee and Boston. I I don't think anybody's knocking off Boston. Maybe Philly's got the best chance at them as far as getting them a run in a series. If, you know, that ends up being that matchup, which it will be if they stay at two and three before Milwaukee uh, gets the winner of those two, which again, is the benefit of being that one seed that you don't have to go through two really good basketball teams to get to the NBA Finals.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think that Boston or or not, sorry, not not Boston, New York or Cleveland is going to upset Boston, but I think they could give them a little bit of a run. I think Philly could give Boston real trouble, but I don't think they're beating them in a series. I, I do just think it comes back to pretty plain and simple. Milwaukee and Boston, whoever wins, goes on to the NBA Finals, and I would think is favored in the NBA Finals because the Western Conference, I don't know that there's a clear-cut team.
1: See, and that, that's the thing. As Bucks fans, we'll all be rooting for Philadelphia to beat Boston because the Bucks, for whatever reason, play Philadelphia way better than they have played Boston throughout the year. Now, having said that, the Bucks haven't really been healthy, per se, all the way up until this last game against Boston. But that was game five in seven days or whatever the hell it was. It was horrible. They were dead tired. You could see in the first quarter they had no legs. Then they come play Philly, and you go, oh, look, they have their legs back. Oh, look, they look so much better now. So, I don't think you really had a fair look all season really at Bucks Celtics with everybody having the appropriate amount of rest and everybody being healthy. And you're not going to have that look now until the NBA playoffs. You bring up the Western conference. You say there's no clear cut team. Denver has been the one seed all year, all year. Toby all times. They just been kicking back feet up waiting for the playoffs to start on cruise control all year. And here's Toby Altizer sitting out in Washington, D.C. going, not a team, ain't a team out there. That's disrespectful. Nuggets fans are not going to be very happy with you, Toby. We've seen the Nuggets be
0: really good in the regular season before they get into the playoffs, and they're just not a playoff team. For whatever reason, that formula they have out there doesn't seem to be successful in the playoffs. I mean, you still got to think that Phoenix is – probably the top dog in terms of a roster going into the playoffs when you add Kevin Durant into that roster. So I would think Phoenix is up there. Who knows? Maybe the Lakers go on a little bit of a run. I'm not a Lakers truther. I know a lot of people think that's a sexy thing to do. You
1: can't be a truther of a team that the odds are greater that somebody of significance gets hurt and can't play. You, You just can't. They're relying on a house of cards and Anthony Davis to stay healthy. He's playing out of his mind. No doubt. He looks like the super talented, uber talented guy that he's been his whole career. The problem is eventually the cards are going to crumble. And when they crumble, that's going to be the end of the Lakers.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that you look at the Lakers, whatever happens with them, maybe they have a first round where they're able to get through if they get through the play-in, whatever the case may be, wherever they finish up. I don't see them being a legitimate threat. I think the Suns are a legit threat. I do want to believe in the Nuggets. You bring them up, Sparky. Like I I want to see them actually take that next step. I know a lot of Bucks fans have been ragging on Jokic, more so in defense of Giannis, not trying to belittle Jokic. But what has Jokic been able to do in the postseason? It's a whole lot of nothing. And But I do think that with that roster where you've got a shooter and Michael Porter Jr. that can do a lot of different things, you got Jamal Murray, a good point guard, they've got some pieces in place. And we've seen Jamal Murray, at least in the bubble, step up and be a really competitive, good playoff player. I'm not sure if this is their year to do it, but it's really muddied up in the Western Conference because, you know, we just talked about a couple of different teams. The team that won it all last year is the Golden State Warriors, and I have no faith in them winning a seven-game series against really anyone because as soon as they have to go on the road, it's over. you can probably mark it up as
1: a loss. I've never seen as dramatic difference in road home splits as we've seen out of Golden State this year. Like, it is as night and day numbers as you possibly could ever have. And sometimes you get that in football where a team really struggles on the road. Sometimes you get it in baseball. But to this degree in basketball, to me, is just crazy. And the other part of this is Draymond Green, I'm guessing he's pretty much done after this year. So, you know, how he acts and how he plays, he's already got way more text than they want him to have at this point, already losing games because of the amount of text that he has. So you've got to deal with that. And similarly to the Lakers, they got to stay healthy. I mean, Wiggins has been away from the team for a while, had an issue going on uh, with, I think, what was it his father, his father is seriously ill, I think. Um, so he hasn't been with them and hasn't been playing with them this entire time. Now, he's expected back, I think, in short order. Uh, but then you only got a couple games left and the, the playoffs begin. And you look at the Western Conference seating. You talk about Denver, right? So they're going to get a play-in team. Then you talk about Memphis. We'll get to Memphis in a little bit. But Memphis is going to get a play-in team. And then there are those upstart kings that I've watched probably 95% of their games this year. And that team, I think everybody wants to see in the playoffs. It's sitting down below because they got no defense. But Phoenix at four, nobody's going to want to see. And it's going to be the get me the heck out of five. I don't want to be five. I'll be any other number but five. Don't let me be five. Because they don't want to deal with the Durant Suns. And if it's Phoenix and the Lakers, oh boy, somebody of significance is being eliminated from the playoffs right out of the bat. And in Sacramento, I heard Matt Barnes talking the other day, and he does a lot of uh, pre and post game stuff for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, and he was doing the up and smoke podcast. And he was saying he thinks Kings can win a first round uh, series and maybe uh, cause some problems in the second round for somebody just because of how good this offense has been comparing Sabonis and Fox to Malone and Stockton, which almost fell out of my seat on that one, but they're they're very good together. There's no question. Go back to that Sabonis-Halliburton trade, and oh, it wasn't good. The Kings got screwed and so forth. I don't think so. I I don't think they got screwed at all. Sabonis has been kind of the missing piece for that Kings team. How much are you believing, I guess, in the Sacramento Kings at that three seed with a historic offense so far this year?
0: I want to believe in them. I really do. I think they're a fun team. I think that seeing De'Aaron Fox on a bigger stage, seeing Sabonis really gel that team together. It's fun. They're a fun group to watch. I don't know that I can believe in them in the playoffs. Playoff basketball in the NBA is a totally different sport. I really don't enjoy the regular season product in the NBA a lot of times because you talk about no defense, all these different things with the regular season product of the NBA. It can get a little bit frustrating at times, but playoff basketball is just totally different. And it's like being able to, you, you can't outscore teams, really. You're not going to put up 120. You're going to have to be able to fight to get to just 100 points. You know, you've seen on that Bucks run, they weren't just consistently dropping 115 on teams. It right. It's a struggle. And so you, they have some good clutch numbers. They have all the good offensive numbers. Defensively, though, as a squad, I think it's going to be a tough task for them to be up to playoff basketball for them getting their first experience of what it's like, you know, they, they're accustomed to this type of basketball. They're not accustomed to playoff basketball. Maybe they can win a series. Maybe like Barnes said, they can give someone trouble. I don't think it's like, they're going to be easily bounced as a three seed in the Western conference, but they're also not a legit contender to me unless I see some promise early on in the playoffs.
1: Now let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies because that is a team that we've talked about plenty. Uh, On this podcast, a team that I think has become a team that a lot of fans root against, don't root for, because of some of the antics their guys have pulled uh, throughout the course of the year, Uh, and a lot of guys that people are simply rooting against at this point uh, going forward. They are feeling themselves, obviously, uh, and thinking that they're the team right now in the Western Conference. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it would be a bad thing if they got on a run. If Memphis is in the Western Conference Finals against whoever, it's going to be good for the NBA because it's going to be a team that's young. They that probably has ability to kind of stay together for a little while uh, and put themselves out there. And if they're the quote bad guys uh, of the NBA, and there's a rooting interest against these guys, depending on what happens in the playoffs. Cause I mean, think about it. If it's Memphis and golden state in the first round, that's going to be a fight. I mean, it's going to be a basketball game, but it's going to be a fight too. It's going to be super physical. I just don't know if I buy into them keeping themselves composed mentally in order to make that type of run, I love their head coach, former Bucks assistant coach. Uh, but I, I guess I'm just not sold that mentally they're there yet.
0: Yeah, and what a heel turn for the Memphis Grizzlies! Yes. Like people loved them. John ja Morant was someone that everybody absolutely loved, and then you have all the stuff happening this year. And Dylan Brooks, I liked him at Oregon, and now I can't stand that. Can't guy. stand him. I think the issue with the Grizzlies is they've gotten a little bit ahead of themselves. I think they have the talent to compete against these teams in the Western Conference, but I think it comes back to the maturity and the experience. And I just don't know that they're up there with these teams. Like as much as we want to count out golden state, they're going to get in there and they've played in playoff basketball series that are close, that are tight. So many times that they're used to it. You know, if they go down 2 0, they're fine. If they are behind in a series, they understand what's going to happen. What happens if Memphis drops a game or two early in the series? Are they sitting behind in a must win situation? Do they get a little bit selfish with each other and are they're not moving the ball as well on offense? Do they fall apart with their chemistry? I just it's a similar thing with the Kings, except for the Kings aren't, you know, as dislikable. But the I just don't know that the maturity level in terms of playoff basketball is there for Memphis. I think if you give them another year here where they're playing competitive playoff basketball and they can learn from it, and hopefully shut up a little bit, then I think you could see them compete maybe next year. Maybe they win a series this year. I I just don't see them. It's weird with the Western Conference because the top dogs, we're counting out a couple of them, even though they're going to be some of the top seeds in the Western Conference.
1: So let me bring this up to you. East and West. Guys that have been to the mountaintop and won. So Giannis, LeBron, Durant, Steph. Those teams that have been there and won, I'm not saying just getting there, but winning it at this point. Don't they have the decided advantage when you get into the playoffs and into some of these series where some of these teams that are younger, that don't have that experience, that haven't gone through this in the playoffs, that kind of is uh, their kryptonite a little bit until they can make that run themselves and get over that hump. You start talking about Sacramento and Memphis and those teams, dealing with a LeBron and AD team if they're healthy, dealing with a KD uh, team uh, along with, now Booker hasn't been there, but still, KD's experience will help that uh, going forward. Uh, and then Golden State, obviously, they've all been there in Golden State. They've all been in them on top several times with him, with Steph, Clay, and, and Draymond. They know what this is all about once they get to the playoffs. I think the inexperience really works against you in the NBA when you start getting into, you know, best of seven series, when you're dealing with these experienced teams that don't get rattled.
0: Well, and you have guys, you mentioned LeBron, you mentioned Steph, you mentioned Giannis. All those guys can just take over a game and win it themselves if need be. You know, Giannis drops 50, bucks, win. Right. LeBron, still one of the best players in the NBA, decides it's my time now. I'm winning this thing. Same thing with Steph. The other teams, like a John Morant is a nice player. I don't know if he has that gear yet. Like, I think he can take over a game, but can he just say, this is it? It's my time to win this thing. I'm going to go win it. I don't know that he can do it consistently enough, getting to the rim, finishing to win a basketball game like that. Same thing with the Kings. It's nice, but Kendi Aaron Fox, Ken Sabonis working together say it's our time. We're winning this thing. And I think that's where you run into the struggle with the Nuggets. Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA. There's no denying it. The problem is the way Jokic plays the game. Is he dropping 30 on you to win it? No, he's going to give you 25. He's going to give you 12 assists. He's going to grab all the boards. But what happens when he's dishing dimes to guys that are wide open, but they're getting the playoff nerves and they're not not—they're not dropping. You know, so I, I'm a little worried about teams that just don't have a guy. And that's why you talk about Phoenix. That's why it's so scary. Kevin Durant is that guy that just says, this is it. It's my time. I'm going to go drop 40 on you. It's over.
1: I think John Morant has that gear. I think John Morant can probably be that guy. My question about Memphis is, A, the mental side of things, which we talked about. The other thing is, does he really have that sidekick? The same as no. Durant does, the same as LeBron does, the same as Giannis does. He doesn't have that other guy. I and mean, that's the one thing you talk about Jokic. Okay, Jamal Murray was supposed to be that guy, and then he got hurt and really hasn't become that guy. He played really well against the Bucks the last time the Bucks saw the Nuggets for sure, but he hasn't been that guy necessarily consistently. He hasn't been that Robin to that Batman. And while Memphis is stacked with a lot of young players and Jerry and Jackson's probably going to win defensive player of the year. And that's great. And Steven Adams in the middle, you know, when he's healthy, you know, he's a beast obviously, but there's not that Robin. I don't think to the degree that these other guys have, and maybe there will be one eventually, but there isn't one right now. I don't think where you can go, all right, Jaw's not feeling it tonight. Go get 30 player X and then player X can go get 25 or 30. They, if you look at the Bucks, Milton goes out and, drew holiday just goes off 30 points here, 30 points yep. there. And, is, and then Middleton comes back and now drew play is back a little bit. Then who was it? Giannis, I think missed the game. Uh, I was the one night or Middleton, one of them missed the game and holiday put up 50 or whatever. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking for. And I don't know if Memphis has that other guy.
0: Yeah. You have to have someone else and they don't, you know, if it, it, theoretically as a basketball team, if you're constructing it as a GM, you think, okay. If Ja doesn't have it tonight, we've got enough other guys who are C-level, B-level type talents, but that's not how it works in the NBA. You need to have a couple A-level talents, and if you have an A-plus level talent, maybe you can get away with only having one other guy. But you mentioned it with the Bucs. I mean, even on that finals run, you saw Giannis goes down, Chris Middleton steps up, Drew Holiday steps up. You've seen it this season with the Bucs. And that's why I think that they're our contender – That's why I think Boston's a real contender because Jason Tatum struggles. You get Jalen Brown or vice versa. They've got legitimate guys. And then obviously the Suns in the Western Conference have a couple of guys that can do it. And they've really put Chris Paul in a good spot where he no longer has to be second fiddle. He can go back to being the point guard, which is probably where he's most comfortable being. He doesn't have to score the basketball. He can set everyone else up. So you look around and if a team doesn't have two legit guys where if star a doesn't have it going that day star b can step up and really carry the load it, it, that's just the way it is in the nba if you don't have two guys minimum you hopefully you have three but if you don't have two guys minimum it's probably not going to work and you're right i think memphis is lacking that second guy
1: let's uh transition to the mvp race obviously another conversation piece we've had I uh, had hey, Ken Barkley on. I do bonus green and gold podcast, uh, green and growing podcast, every week, like fifteen minute podcast with Ken Barkley uh, from, of course, uh, you better you bet him and Nick Costos, part of the BetQL uh, radio network, brought to you by uh, BetMGM. And earlier, the last month or so, it's Joker, 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 just stop. It's Joker and all these advanced metrics and all these advanced numbers I hear from Ken Barkley. Then it's well, let's see what the next poll looks like with Tim Bontemps from ESPN because that apparently is helping to set the lines on what the lines are based on these little straw polls that Bontemps from ESPN is doing. Well, now it's a two first place vote difference between Embiid uh, and Joker. And I think it was like 44, 42 or something like that. And then the other first place votes were pretty much Giannis. So talked to Ken Barkley earlier this week, and he starts talking about, Hey, you know, if Joker don't play the rest of the year and Philly can't win, Giannis got a chance to come win this thing by just being normally honest uh, and finishing this thing out. Uh, the way he plays, he might be able to still get this. For you, who is the MVP of this league?
0: I mean, I've spent too much time watching Giannis to not think it's anyone else. You know, yeah. it, it it's, it's Giannis, no doubt in my mind. Jokic is nice, and he plays the game in a way that isn't like Giannis in the sense that Giannis, when he dominates a game, there's no chance for anyone else, right? So when you think most dominant player in the NBA, everyone that follows basketball is going to answer Giannis. And so you think most valuable player, you think most dominant. Okay. That's easy. Giannis and of When you think about Jokic, he plays it a little bit differently. He plays a style that's probably a more of a European style where you can do a little bit. Of everything as the big man. And I enjoy that. I think sometimes you belittle that a little bit in the NBA. It's not all just about scoring, but then you look at the fact that he doesn't play defense. And so you can't not factor that in uh, talking about a guy right. like Giannis yep. or Embiid. The fact that Jokic does nothing defensively and Embiid's a nice player. And I saw him kind of taking shots at Jokic saying, well, look, I have nothing to play. You know, why do I have all these expectations? There's other guys that have won multiple MVPs that haven't won anything. Why do I have the ultimate expectations on me? I think that you just look at the impact on all these guys and they're phenomenal players, but Giannis instead of Kumpo, best player in the world, and it's not like he's doing anything that's not normal, which is why voters just kind of like, ah eh, whatever, it's Giannis doing Giannis things, and you get fatigued by it, but it gets a little bit frustrating because, one, it's driven by narratives, and I don't like that, and two, when we go to all-time great discussions, we talk about MVP awards. Yeah, We, we talk about that stuff, and it doesn't always get brought up like, yeah, LeBron probably could have won MVP more than the times that he won it. Michael Jordan, Jordan probably, certainly could have. Absolutely. So don't do that. Don't limit them. If they're the best player in the league that year and they're the most valuable, give it to them. So if Giannis is the best player in the league, he's on the best team in the league, he's dominating just like he has all throughout his career, give it to him. Don't get tired of, the, of greatness. Just give it to the best player each and every year. And you know what? Unfortunately, some guys like Embiid and Jokic, uh, Jokic is one his. Maybe a guy like Embiid, a guy that is one of the best players in the NBA and dominates just like these guys to an extent, maybe he goes without an MVP or only finishes with one. That doesn't diminish from the fact that Embiid's a great player. It just shows you how good the other guys are, and in this case, it's Giannis.
1: I've said this before, and with basketball players, you can do it more than you can with say the nfl where you've got different positions you know going for mvp so you really can't do it but i i don't for the life of me don't understand why we just do not create some type of formula based on stats and advanced metrics you get points for whatever the categories are and whoever has the highest point total is the mvp at the end of the regular season done closed call it a day we're not taking votes we're not voting it's gonna be one statistical formula whoever wins mvp is your mvp And we move forward. That then becomes the best player in the NBA and you go. And instead, some guys are using advanced metrics. Some guys are using different advanced metrics. Other guys are going to hell with that. I'm going to use my eyes. That's what I'm going on. Other people are saying, well, who's got the best team? Who's got the best record in the NBA? I'm going to vote for that guy because he's on the best team in the NBA and he's their best player. So I'm going to vote for that guy. Everybody's got their own agenda as far as what they're voting for. And for me, that's where the issue lies. It should be, and this is how I like life in general black and white. Just no gray area. Don't put any gray area in this. Make some type of formula, put it together, and say, guys, this is what we're going off of. This is the formula. Everybody understands what we're using. Winner is whatever. And if there's a tie, then fine. Co MVPs. And the NFL had it. Brett Favre and Barry Sanders were co MVPs at one point. So if it, it ends up in a tie, then fine. Then it's co-MVPs of whoever the case may be and take the votes away. Now, of course, other members of the media will be livid because they like having the power of casting a vote and all of that fun stuff. But I just think everything is a lot easier if you get rid of that. And if if baseball is going to be the MVP is always going to be a hitter and the Cy Young is always going to be a pitcher, if that's what you're going to say, then fine. Then you can come up with a formula the same way in baseball as you would for the NBA uh, and put that together and say, okay, highest point total wins. And you can do the same thing for the Cy Young because those are all pitching categories. Everybody's a pitcher. So put together a formula for that too and just get rid of the voting aspect of things and, and get taking that human element out of it.
0: Well, and I just get frustrated with the narratives because it seems like the way this season has gone, the you know initial narrative is, oh, Jokic is doing it again. Let's give him the MVP again. He's just been playing phenomenal. He's breaking all these advanced stats records. Yep. Awesome. Give it to Jokic again. And then it was like, well, wait a minute. Embiid is dominating. Jokic, yeah, he's good, but he's not Embiid. And then now it seems like the narrative has shifted. Oh, that's right. The best player in the NBA still is Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> yes. It's like, why do we have to go through this
1: cycle? To keep the talk shows going, Toby. Oh, it's to keep me. the talk shows going. Man, you got, you know, three, four hours a day for these guys on TV. They got to talk about something. They got to come up with talking about the same thing 10 different ways in order to stretch a story for as long as possible before they have to come up with another topic. And that's the other th- funny thing about me. I, I I don't, I've never done TV from that aspect. Like I've done, you know, like reporting after high school games for Fox six in Milwaukee. I've done, you know, the little talk show areas. Uh, Kevin Holen and I did uh, years ago on CBS 58. We did a talk show during a morning show type deal the day after the NFL draft. So I've done that type of stuff but I've never been involved with, you know, ESPN's first take or whatever. I would love, love, love to be in a production meeting for one of those to find out how it actually goes and how this actually works. So, you know, is Stephen A actually pitching topics for what he wants to do on the show? Or are the producers the one that determine the topics and then tell them, all right, what's your side of this? What's your side of this? All right, it's opposite. All right, we're doing that in the first block. Uh, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do that because in radio, I'm here to tell you most times, maybe not all the times, most times the talent and the producers are together deciding topics or just the talent is deciding topic and the producer is not even involved. And the talent just does, does whatever he or she wants to do. And the producer finds out after the fact of what they're doing based on what they're told to get for guests or whatever. Um, But I just got this feeling in TV, I wonder how much the talent actually determines what the topics are versus what the producers are saying they want the topics to be going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you
1: actually believe the stuff you're saying or are you just saying it? I don't know. I'm not saying they don't believe what they say. I just wonder if they're the ones that are wanting to do the same topic 10 different ways, five days in a row. Or if the producers are going, Hey, got good numbers on that yesterday. Let's push this back a different way with a different angle and a different question. I want to make sure we do this again. Oh, look two days in a row. Good numbers on that block. All right, well, let's go three days. You know what I mean? So like how much are they pushing to keep doing the same thing over and over again? Or is it Stephen a or skip or coward going? Nope. I'm just going to roll with this uh, until I can't roll with it anymore. I'll figure out ways to talk about this six different ways. Uh, to try and keep this train rolling on Aaron Rodgers and a possible trade to the Jets or whatever. Now you got Cardin coming out on his radio show saying the Niners are standing by waiting to swoop in and get Aaron Rodgers if this thing falls apart with the Jets and the Packers. And so now you've got all of that going on. that's what I'm talking about. So when you say the narrative of the MVP and how it all goes, a lot of it's dictated by what they're saying on TV. Those people have a lot more power than anybody wants to admit. There's without question, Toby.
0: 100%, 100%. And that's why I get frustrated by it. Just look at the stats, figure out whatever criteria you want. If you're going to can still do the the human element of the voting, like maybe it is better to do what you were saying and come up with a number or whatever the case may be, but find your way. Stop listening to what everyone's talking about. And that's the other thing that's frustrating is like, as it goes throughout the year, it's not like, it's not like Giannis is just like, a hundred times better now than he was at the beginning of the season in November. Like Giannis is doing Giannis things and has stepped up his play, but it's like, okay, the, the, these guys for the most part have been doing the same thing. Why does it keep changing? You know, it's not, and then why is one game at the end of the season going to change the narrative more than a game, say in the middle of November, because they ultimately count the same in the regular season standings. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: He is Toby Altizer. Follow him on Twitter at Toby underscore Altizer. Catch him uh, on the weekends as well, or filling in during the week for the team 980, 106.7, the fan in Washington, D.C. I caught him over the weekend streaming on my Odyssey app because he is still a member of team Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Tell me uh, quickly before we end here, name me in importance, like the top three or top five to D.C. sports fans as far as what they want to talk about obviously here packers are king then probably <laughs> brewers then probably bucks in that order badgers maybe in front of bucks i don't know uh that's what it feels like having done sports talk here my whole life uh what is it out there in dc
0: so top five right here commanders 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 commanders
1: nfl is king uh
0: commander sale commander's quarterback i think when you were listening the other day we were talking about chase young yep i mean it Any hot button thing that you could think of with the football team out here, it's that. And then it's the National Football League things like Lamar Jackson and the other things going on there. But, I mean, the things we're sorting out right now, there's a a, the ownership thing. Magic Johnson might be a new part of the ownership group of the commanders. But then there's this guy who works for the Fox Business Network who supposedly knows – Dan Snyder and sounds like Dan Snyder's mouthpiece and says that he wants Bezos to bid on it on Twitter. And so we're digging through all that stuff. So you got the, the quarterback controversy stuff that you've been dealing with for, for how long I traded all that in for ownership talk, which to be honest with you, I'd rather talk about on the field
1: thing. So but you'll party like you won the Super Bowl once Snyder sells that team.
0: Oh, 100%. And if magic Johnson is a part of the ownership group, I will have a magic Johnson Jersey in the mail the next day. That would be cool. Yeah, I got to give you that. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Follow well, me on Twitter at Toby Alltimes. Thanks so much for filling in and uh, doing green and growing, dude. I really appreciate
0: it. Absolutely, man. Go Bucks.